Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. Um, today, I'm joined by Devin Griffin, uh, the GM of BET+. Devin, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. A big fan and really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Don't try to butter me up. This is going to get hostile quickly. <laughs> uh, so you joined a little over a year ago, yeah? Like, I mean, right when BET, I mean, BET a few months later, you know, came out with the BET Plus service. So let's let's start with you joining BET. Um, I want to get into your background in Netflix and whatnot, but like what, what attracted you to the BET brand? You know, I have been a fan of BET since um, my family had cable in their house in the suburbs of Chicago. It was really the way that I connected to a broader Black community, um, you know, again, from the age of, gosh, I mean, I probably was watching videos way too early, but let's just call it, you know, 10 or 11 so that my parents don't don't feel too embarrassed. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a, it's been the brand that has always has re- relevance and resonance uh, as uh, a real sort of pinnacle and guiding light for what's happening in our community and the culture. So, um, you know, again, you, you alluded to it. I, I definitely have had different stops and twists and turns in my career. But when the opportunity came up to combine the work that I had been doing um, and building out uh, streaming and what I saw as a as a real uh, kind of hole in the in the marketplace, hole from a consumer standpoint of stories that were really focused on and catered to uh, Black American uh, experience, um, it just felt like it was the, the, the combination of things that fit you know directly not only with 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 my you know professional interests but also with my identity and with the things that I that I that I want to sort of leave, leave as my legacy which is having an impact on the way the stories about black people are told. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to gauge over Zoom your age. You're in your late 30s, mid 30s? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So like I, I what I wonder is how is you were talking about growing up in the suburbs of Chicago and BET is BET as relevant um, to seventeen-year-old kid, you know, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago? You know, I, I, I don't think that I can that I can answer that one straight on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, uh, I'm not in touch with too many seventeen-year-olds in the suburbs <laughs> yeah. of Chicago. But, but you do your it, research. You do your yeah, research. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair. What's I think, the research? I think, I think that what BET means now. Um, to, you know, the sort of younger generation is is different, right, than what it meant to me 25, 30, 25 years ago. Um, so, it, you know, I think that a lot of the institutions that came into being to support and bolster the Black community, whether it's historically Black colleges and universities or the NAACP, these sort of, you know, these, these pillars um, of society and culture, they have to evolve. And so, you know, I think that BET, has certainly evolved because at the time, you know, that, that, that I was that I was plugged into BET, um, there were there were very few images of black people on television outside of what was happening on, you know, Thursday night on on, on NBC and yeah. inside sports. And so um, I think that BET has left in its wake um, the, the, the genesis of a lot of other brands that are that are keenly focused on you know the, the the black experience be it be it you know nationally or, or globally and then also it's, it's actually you know sprinkled a lot across mainstream brands um obviously the moment that we're in um is is at least for bet just one beat and, a, and an ongoing movement which has really been about elevating um and shining light on the way that 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 that, that you know black stories and experiences are portrayed in media 
Um, and so um, I think that I think that relevant is a, is a tough question to answer. I do think that it's relevant, but I think that it might be relevant in a way that's just, you know, very different because you're going from a world of, you know, uh, sort of uh, scarcity to a world of, of, of abundance. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it was much more finite back then. You know, um, I mean, yeah. I even grew up without cable. It's crazy. How <laughs> you talk about like, you know, wrangling with rabbit ears, you really had scarcity to, for, in every um, way, shape and form. But you've been in original programming and, and telling stories. What do you think? And then obviously, because of the, the social unrest and the, the overdue attention uh, being paid right now to the systemic racism in this country, there's been a lot of focus on on telling Black stories, more focus. Explain why BET is uniquely positioned for that. Because, you know, Netflix, Amazon, there, there's lots of people who, a lot, a lot of big folks who are saying we're going to pour money into, um, into telling these stories. Yeah, I think it's great that a lot of other brands, a mixture of, you know, mainstream, you know, um, uh, linear television, global brands, um, in addition to, to BET's presence and brand are, are, are telling these stories because again, uh, there is a, there is a really big hole and deficit that needs to be made up. Um, I think that BET's relevance is that we've been doing this for over 40 years. So the approach that we're taking is not a catch up approach. The, the approach that we're taking is one of further enriching this concept that we are, we are all black all the time, 24, seven, 365. So um, we don't need to necessarily push forward just the sort of social social justice documentaries or, uh, you know, the, the, the stories that shine light on, you know, exceptional cases of black heroes and, and American and, and, and global society. We have that. And we also have stories that bring humanity, that bring blue humor, that bring, you know, fart jokes to the to the to, to the table, because all of that is a part of a human experience that's also black, as opposed to just sort of saying, well, like, where can we find the, you know, the one documentary that we have that is that is very teachable. We have that and we have things that are really um, adding a lot more detail, texture and nuance to what it means to be a part of this human black experience. Right. So explain BET Plus and, you know, the opportunity there. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are putting plus on the end of their initials or their name and coming right. out with um, with with subscription streaming services. Um, the, the move to go directly to the consumer is, is a lot of people are doing it. Um, where, do, where does BET Plus fit in that, uh, that streaming ecosystem that is extremely crowded now? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you talked about my starting a bit over a little bit over a year ago, you know, we, uh, the, the team here, um, our consumer insights team, uh, research team did a lot of work to understand before launch what the what the landscape looked like. And one of the most powerful insights, uh, I, I maybe I'll give you two insights or that one, you know, black consumers uh, watch more uh, long form video content, spend more time doing that than um, anybody else across, um, you know, American society. Um, so there's a really big appetite there. Um, and then the second insight is that um, is that black viewers um, also um, love love watching uh, via streaming, but the offerings that have been on streaming have not, um, in their view, been up to par with the broader offering. So um, as we approached the market, we thought, 
well, there's definitely unsatisfied demand and the supply is not quite right. Um, so fast forward now, 15 months, um, you know, we're still looking for the murderers of, of Breonna Taylor. We need to we need to get those people. We're post George Floyd. Um, and now there's like you mentioned, a lot more focus being put on um, programming stories that uh, portray the black experience. Um, we think that the black experience I shouldn't say we think we know that the black experience and the stories that people want to watch um, are actually multi are, are multidimensional. Um, there's not a black monolith. Um, what I like is not the same as what my parents like. It's not the same as that as that 17 year old in the, in the Chicago suburbs likes. And we're actually seeing that play out in that um, there are different pockets of people who have very different tastes. So um, our approach is really to continue to uh, is, is continue to super serve this audience that has an insatiable appetite. And then and then really owning stories that are that are steeped in our brand, steeped in our experience, because we don't think that anyone can tell those stories as we do. And also um, continuing to expand what it means to, um, again, sort of paint the portrait of the black experience. Mm -hmm. So we have we have, you know, things that are set in the American, uh, you know, in, in, in the southeast, which is, you know, really a part of like, the, you know, the, the core black Bible Belt. We have things that are coming from, from from the UK. We have things that are, again, younger and edgier. So we're trying to bring the sort of like that full palette of the black experience. So give me an example or two of a story that's uniquely BET, that BET is uniquely positioned to tell versus like, you know, being on Amazon. I mean, because like there's great stories everywhere. And I think, um, you know, whether we're still in a golden age of television, I don't know with, with the production shutdown. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of programming out there on a lot of different services. But give me give me a couple examples of ones that it's like, this is a BET story. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, you know, I, I can give you I can give you two examples. Um, one is that um, if you look at what we've been doing in partnership with Tyler Perry, um, you know, the the whether it's uh, the stage plays that that, that he's brought to us, um, which you can only get on BET Plus. Um, or, you know, uh, if you look at uh, one of the stories, one of the one of the shows that he did for us called Ruthless, which is set in um, a cult. Right. Um, it's it's set inside of a cult. You've got all kinds of misdeeds, miscreants, uh, things happening that um, usually aren't portrayed in other settings when it comes to, you know, having black characters forward. And, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a really small needle to thread. Um, so, um, I think that, you know, that's, that's a good example of something where we can take something that's outre, we can take something that's a bit edgy, we can put black people in it. It's a, it's a, it's a trope that people know, but there's a lot of cultural nuance there just because of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, you know, trickiness around, um, how do you tell a story about a really charismatic leader and how do you bring, you know, uh, drugs and power and control into that in a way that doesn't, um, shine a light that's, that's sort of less than flattering. I think that that would be a landmine for a lot of others. Um, another example is we brought back and reimagined the American Gangster series that was uh, back in the early 2000s that 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 Bing Ring that that Bing Rames hosted. Um, uh, we we reimagined that as a show called American Gangster Trap Queens, and what we're doing is we're highlighting women that have you know had to navigate. Uh, the underworld because the opportunities that they had available mm -hmm. to them, whether when they were, you know, trying to work in the traditional workplace or go to college, they were sort of blocked at different passes. So being able to tell these stories about people who are navigating uh, the criminal underworld in a way that's actually empowering, a way that actually gives them agency as opposed to, 
you know, them being on the other side of the camera or the gun on cops or them being on first 48. Those are stories that are about giving the fullness and, and giving the richness of what it means to be a person that's having to navigate, you know, like, as you were mentioning, systemic oppression, systemic racism, and then still trying to make a life out of it and still trying to make, make meaning and find redemption. Um, but then also understanding that, again, um, crime stories are really, really hard for people to tell in a way where everybody who's black is a criminal who's bad, who's, you know, um, unrepentant for us. Uh, it, you know, crime is a part of I mean, whether it's the way that, you know, the mafia gets uh, deified or gets, you know, uh, sort of uh, put on this pedestal. We think that there are ways that we can tell stories about the stuff that people are really interested in, the juicy stuff in a way that's, 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 yeah. that's actually empowering. So the stories can be similar, but the point of view is different. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're telling human stories just like everyone else, but I think yeah. that the thing that's really important is that we're trying to give Black storytellers, Black actors agency, and we're trying to make it such that we're not just this sort of afterthought, right? It's, it's, it, it's the thing that, you know, um, that Chadwick Boseman talked about, right? His shift from being the sort of uh, the robber in the in the daytime soap opera who was drug, you know, drug addled or whatever, who had no character and no death. We're always starting from the death of humanity um, of, you know, of our people. But then we're also, you know, because we have to tell stories because, you know, we uh, people love entertainment and drama. We're trying to, you know, bring it from a place of richness as, as opposed to a place of flatness. So, I mean, black culture is like culture, right? So like what I'm interested in is like, where's the opportunity? I mean, you want to tell, you know, black stories and you want to like super serve, I'm going to use the air quotes, um, a black audience. But at the same time, there's a gigantic opportunity (laughs) out there for non-black audiences. Like, how do you thread that needle? Yeah, I mean, we're already threading it. I mean, I would take what you said and go about a a step further in that black culture isn't just culture. Black culture drives culture. Black culture is one of the driving forces. I saw an ad um, the other day, where, well, that's what I mean. It's like global culture. Like I mean, yeah, like, no, American it, culture is one of our greatest exports. Is yes. black culture? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm sorry, I was I was too busy vamping on on your question. <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> oh no, no, you know, my question was like how you know the opportunity. Maybe it's particularly with BET Plus to you know, um, yes, super serve like a black right. audience, but also because you know, black culture is like a, 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 mm-hmm. a um, resident in, in just the driving in the overall culture and, and global culture um, to have, you know, non-black audiences think of BET yeah. plus as, as an option for their, um, you know, streaming lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they certainly do already. So um, I think that our focus on super serving, um, no air. Yeah. I'm going to use air quotes, super <laughs> serving um, black audiences is really just sort of it is it is it is our north star so it's it's what has always been in the legacy and the dna of bet um and we've just sort of poured that into bet plus to try to get back to a place where we're telling stories from diverse points of view um and i think that when you combine storytelling and like you said sort of um um you know expanding on uh culture with the tools that we have um, as far as going direct to consumer, what we're seeing is that there's a very, very strong non-black audience that is connecting with our stories. So, um, you know, we we definitely don't approach it from a place of trying to exclude others. We're just rooting it in the truth of our experiences, which, again, like you mentioned, are American, are human experiences. And we are seeing people are like, oh, yeah, like I might be, you know, 
um, a white, you know, house, house, housewife, uh, in Kansas or, you know, a working, a working class person, um, and, you know, another part of the country. But like, these are stories that I get because these are human stories. Right. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Um, so you spent four years in Netflix, right? And, and you were doing original, original programming from looking back, like how diverse was the storytelling? I mean, Netflix has so much content, right? But like, how good of a job do you think that Netflix has done with telling stories from a variety of different viewpoints? Yeah, I think that they um, they do an excellent job, always have. Um, and their palette is is really expansive. Um, you know, I was just reading about the fact that they're expanding into Australian storytelling. I know that they've been telling stories from, um, you know, the experience of people who live in the Middle East. I mean, they they have a global palette. Um, and then, you know, I think that they, they also have made a very clear uh, investment in trying to tell more nuanced American stories, too. So I, I completely commend the way that they approach uh, uh, diversifying their storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough, right? I mean, so like, I guess like, you know, R- Reed Hastings, you know, talks about like sleep being, you know, their competitor or something. But obviously, <laughs> you know, all of us who who cut the cord years ago have found that like, you know, now all of a sudden we're paying for lots of different uh, services. And you've got your your big services. I feel like, um, you know, Netflix is is battling on this like gigantic level maybe with disney plus maybe disney plus is an add-on if you have kids amazon you have amazon no matter what um but then there's this tier of um i don't know maybe i don't would you call them niche providers but i mean it's not for everyone it's for a focused audience um and and that's where i would think bet plus is I think that's fair. Um, the thing that we've been noticing is that the vast majority of our subscribers subscribe to Netflix. So yeah. um, I think that, you know, I think you're absolutely spot on when you say that it's that it's never enough. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. We're in this in this moment, like you, whether it's the golden age or I don't know what's after gold, it's a platinum or whatever, um, where there's just there's just, you know, a surfeit of content. There's just way too much for any of us to to, to navigate and to know what's on. Um, and so I think that people kind of get their staples from, you know, uh, a certain place, but then, you know, they might have to go to the farmer's market or they might have to go to a specialty store to get really deep on the thing that they care, you know, a lot about and they feel really passionate about. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that, that, that so, BET plus is being consumed as something that is, um, an add on and kind of, a, a top up to the other kind yeah. of general entertainment services. So with your research, how many services do, do does like the BET Plus consumer pay for? Yeah, um, we haven't updated that in a while, but I think okay. the number always hovers between like three and five. Okay, but you don't want to be five. You want to be three, right? I mean, because like, <laughs> I know like, you know, I, I probably a lot of people did this. Like you started to go through your credit card bills and you're like, what am I still? I was still paying for GoGo. Um <laughs> Oh, really? Nice. Didn't that much. GoGo didn't (laughs) didn't pause that. They just kept paying for 60 (laughs) bucks each month. But, um, you know, everyone goes through credit card bills. You're like, why am I still paying for this and stuff like this? And, you know, with the number of these subscription streaming services, it seems like you don't, it's okay if you're three, but you don't want to be five. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think that, you know, we're going to be three for some, we're going to be, you know, five for some, we're going to be two or one for others. I think, I think it just really depends. And so we see, we see the ecosystem as all being kind of reinforcing. Um, We think that, you know, 
the continuing shift to you know over the top and streaming is something that um, is is a is, is a benefit um, for for consumers and a benefit for for, for our business, frankly. And so um, we're just trying to be really smart about um, you know knowing that if if you look across uh, all the African American you know uh, potential subscribers, uh, Black subscribers in the U.S. and then and then eventually what will expand will expand globally. Uh, we think that there's that there's more than enough room for us to continue to compete and be relevant, and we and we do that by you know putting out a great product, um, you know d- delivering uh, exciting, engaging shows consistently. So let's talk about the product because it's not just BET, the channel available without a cable subscription. I mean, no. you have original programming. Explain the strategy um, with original programming just for the streaming channel. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're 100 percent right. Uh, we are a completely separate standalone service. Uh, we have over two uh, over two thousand hours of you know premium uh, programming that is a mix of our originals, which I'll touch on in a second. Um, things that come from the BET Legacy Library, things that come from BH1, um, uh, TV Land, uh, Comedy Central, other brands across the across the Viacom family, um, shows that come from uh, Tyler Perry's library. So I mentioned, you know, we're the only place where you can get all the Tyler Perry stage plays um, for you know one one monthly price. Um, so you know, all the people out there when I was a kid that were you know bootlegging the DVDs, they don't have to do that anymore. They just switch <laughs> us on. It's really easy. Yeah. Um, and then we're also going out and we are licensing third party content. So uh, bringing in studio films and bringing in you know select television shows. On the original side, uh, what we're really excited about is that we release at least one original program, um, one original series or, or movie. Um, every month, every single month. And we look to ramp that up even more. So, you know, even on this Thursday coming up, uh, we've got uh, Brud, the sort of the, the back half of uh, the half hour comedy that Tyler Perry started producing for us earlier this year. Um, and that's and that's right on the heels of this huge day play release that we did uh, two weeks ago, Medea's Farewell, which has been uh, an absolute juggernaut for us. So um, we really pride ourselves on the fact that BET Plus gives you a great uh, offering of, regular drumbeat, library titles that come from all different sources. And then on top of that, we are hitting you with something new and original every month. Mm-hmm. Do you have research on, on like, are these core BET? Um, I'm sure the circles like overlap, but like, I, I would guess that, you know, a certain percentage is like a core BET viewer. And then there's some people who there's a certain percentage that are additive. I mean, because otherwise, like, what are you, what are you doing, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I think I think you have it spot on. So, you know, we went out and we just, yeah, we 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 decided to sort of fish where the fish are when we started, right? So, there's people who can't get enough of what BT has to offer, or they want it commercial free, or they want more edge or more blue, what, you know, whatever that is. Um, we really see ourselves as being a as a as a premium tier on what you know people who are in the traditional ecosystem, uh, cable ecosystem, have. And then, yeah, to your point. There are people who come in and they watch bigger or they watch First Wise Club and they don't actually watch quite as much Tyler Perry and people on the other end who are heavy on Tyler Perry, but not so much that. So there's probably, you know, if, if you were to really simplify, there's probably, you know, six or seven uh, sort of, you know, core cohorts of, of folks that we that we have identified and can go after. And we try to be really, really thoughtful about, you know, knowing which one we want to focus on, really try to get, you know, deeply, uh, deeply immersed with and try to really serve well before we move on to the next. Yeah. So talk to me about pricing. Um, it's 10 bucks a month. 
after, yeah. after yeah. you know trials and stuff like this. Explain why that's the right price. I'm interested in how these pricing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the right price because uh, it's it's the thing that um, we have. Well, I, I should first start by saying that we did a ton of research on price. And uh, we actually tested price before we launched. And before we launched, there was no Disney Plus, there was no Peacock, there was no HBO Max. So we went out and tested the price. And, you know, $9.99 was the price that won when you kind of balance everything out. Um, and then those things were announced to launch uh, before we launched on September 19th. So we said, oh, crap, we should go back and see if people now have Disney Plus at their fingertips, as well as BET Plus and these other things, what price wins. And so we went back and tested again. And we were like, okay, it's still holding. Um, now, since we've launched, um, what we've what we've done is, you know, we've gone we, we we've gone again, um, and we're actually ongoingly testing um, what this sort of um, what kind of resistance will you know we would be getting um, at you know at that price um, versus a lower price. And we also I mean, we also tested higher price. And again, like what we continue to find is that um, we don't actually see a lot of headwinds. People see a lot of value. At the at the nine ninety nine price, it's very simple, it's straightforward. You know, seven days. You come in, you like it, you keep going. If you don't, then it's our job to earn earn your trust and to earn your earn your ten bucks. So um, we continue to stay vigilant and testing and making sure that it's the right price. Um, and what we really want to focus on less in, in terms of price is more about the value and 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 more about pushing more content to people so that they're not even thinking about it. They're just saying, I really need this content. So you know. Unless unless we're charging like fifty bucks a month, um, we want to make it such that people don't really have to think about it. They just think this is a great value. Yeah. So talk to me about the decision not to have like either a cheaper tier that that has ads or even a free tier. I mean, we're seeing Peacock go down this this uh, this route, um, but BET it's just no ads, and you, you got to BET Plus. You got to you got to pay for it. Yeah. You know, we just really wanted to take um, the 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 most simple approach. Um, that's not to say that we haven't thought about having a, a cheaper ad-free tier, but we want to take the simplest approach that would allow us to focus on the things that really move the business and to execute. So I think that by going 999, we said, look, we really need to earn earn this. We, we you know we, we really need to deliver a lot of value, and then we have to find ways to take advantage of the assets that we have. So um, you know that's not to say that we wouldn't you know explore that in the future, but we really wanted to sort of. Um, grapple with the fact that launching a new business in a really crowded, super dynamic and ever changing space, you know, even even inside of this COVID world that we're, you know, or I guess we're sort of in a post COVID world um, that, that we're not in. Yet. Not yet. I'm in Miami. Not yet. <laughs> well, COVID <laughs> is a new reality, right? So it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's ever present. It's not, it's not new anymore. So, um, you know, I think that for us, simplest is best so that we can really focus on executing the things that matter. Um. So we talk about accelerations all the time. Did you see an acceleration in um, subscribers uh, because of coronavirus or maybe the opposite? I don't know. Yeah, we had a really strong tailwind um, that we were able to take advantage of. And, and frankly, it was it was actually we we tried to understand how much of it, uh, you know, was was a was a COVID effect versus other things. Um, as it turned out, Ruthless, which I mentioned before, Tyler Perry's original series launched I think it was three days before the lockdown started. Uh, and so we kind of had these sort of, you know, competing or sort of, um, you know, these, 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 uh, uh, dual, uh, winds behind us that were, that were, you know, blowing, blowing our sails. And it's really hard for us to tell. So not only did we see an acceleration, we don't, we don't actually know, 
um, who like who, who 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 gets full credit for that. And then yeah. since then, we've 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 continued to see our, our business grow at, at an even faster clip than it was prior to the lockdown. Are you going to tell me how many subscribers you have? Um, no, I'll just say that, you know, uh, that's not something that we can, that we can talk about, but I, but no, I, I do ask, appreciate, I for people you know, I, I appreciate you. I mean, I would, I would probably email you after and ask you, why didn't you ask me so I could tell you no. I used to cover Google before they were public and, and like, I asked them like constantly, how many advertisers do you have? And, and they would always say thousands. And then they filed their IPO and it was uh, 175,000. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, thousands. Okay, so you're not going to tell me how many. That's that, that's fine. So you were at Netflix for for four years, and I feel like every few years th- there's a Silicon Valley company that is selected or maybe not selected and just becomes the one that every company wants to emulate. It was Google, and then it was for a, a hot minute it was Facebook, then it was Amazon, and now it's Netflix. And Reed Hastings is out with a management book. There are all sorts of quirkiness and all sorts of whatnot. It, give me your top three lessons that you took away from your four years there that you apply to, to what you're doing now at BET plus. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think, you know, one is, uh, be curious, uh, two is, um, understand the data. Uh, and three is, uh, you have to have a perspective and you have to trust your gut. So that's kind of a three, three, a and a three B. Right. So you can't just let the data get, I think that you have to have an appreciation for it and understand it, but you still have to have a point of view. Um, we're all at the end of the day, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you moved to Miami, you made a bet, you had a point of view, yeah. you thought you thought it was the right thing to do. So I think that you be, you have to, uh, and, and that's the thing that I think that, you know, we're really enjoying at BET Plus, you know, we started with no data. So it was kind of, it was sort of difficult, you know, at the outset, we were going off of experience and going off of gut. And so now we can use the data to help us actually fine tune yeah. our gut to help us make the next the next, the, the next decision more smartly. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, if you look at like sort of the history of Netflix for all the sort of, hey, they're using data in a smart way, all true and stuff like this, House of Cards was not about data. That was just a gigantic bet. That was, right? I mean, was, there, was it data-driven? I don't really think so. It was just a, a gigantic bet that paid off. Um, okay, we're going to leave it there because we're at 30 minutes. Devin, okay, great. thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Brian. Again, uh, really enjoyed the time. A big fan. I hope you're able to stay cool down there. Uh, I'm trying. In, in Miami. <laughs> stay safe, more importantly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. And thank you all for uh, joining us. We will be back next week with an episode.